we're off and running. Hey guys, and welcome to the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast version. What's this version now? Version three, I think. Oh heavens, this has just been a—it's been an up and down ride with Facebook. Let me tell you. Um, well, first of all, we'll just get a little bit of—we'll <laughs> get a little bit of um, a little bit of business out of the way. Um, we're looking at—we've gone back to the original group, which is the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast. Uh, without the word group at the end of it. So the group was the, the second one I did when I lost the, uh, lost the profile. Uh, last night, the profile came back. And, um, you know, so I've just... Thank you for all of those people out there who sent that message back to me um, when, I, when I asked whether the message was actually getting through um, on Facebook. Uh, so the original profile is back. The Birdwood Guitars profile is back. The Birdwood paid, Guitars page is back. And... Um, most importantly, from our point of view, the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast is back, as in the group. Okay, so if, you, if you're looking it up, please don't look up the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast group, the one that has the word group at the end of it. That is going to be not used. Uh, we're going back to the original one because it's, it's just connected to my Facebook account and it's easier for me to manage. Anyway, that's a little bit of a plug from my point of view. We are very lucky today to have... Uh, a guest who, my gosh, has been around for a very, very long time, who has been a seminal part of the cigar box guitar building and playing industry. And we've got John Nickel from the United States. How are you, John? I'm good, Adam. How are you, buddy? <laughs> Doing very well. I was just hoping then for a second there was a <laughs> lag. The audio, huh? <laughs> there was a bit of a lag there, mate. <sighs> Oh mate, so it's it's been a it's been a comedy of errors yeah. trying to get in contact, hasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I'm gonna switch over to Wi-Fi again. Maybe that'll that'll help. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, and you know, the other day when we talked, it was just perfect. It was just perfect, you know. Yeah. So no, yeah. Maybe this will this will help it a little bit. Oh, that's all right. We seem to be doing pretty well, mate. We seem so, to be doing okay, well. I'm back on uh, Wi-Fi. Yay! <laughs> now, usually uh, the, the listeners know that I, I usually have my partner in crime, uh, Mark Wilmot. Um, Mark's uh, currently indisposed just at this moment, just at this point in time. Uh, but if he's able to get back to us, we'll just, um, we'll just pause the broadcast and, um, and uh, get him back. Uh, get him on board, but no, very happy to be able to talk to John today. So, John, what is going on in your neck of the woods, mate? What's happening? Well, we're just uh, we're gearing up for the the festival tour. Uh, I I don't do the store anymore, and uh, I play very few shows uh, in the the current city I live in. I've just kind of always done that. Uh, anywhere I live, you know, I, I do have to live here, so I don't want to be scrutinized for my music. So I'll usually go off to, to other states and stuff. But I guess about uh, this will be our sixth year at Bonnaroo. So really, you know, about six years ago, um, we found this festival that was about 45, maybe an hour uh, away from us. And uh, it hosts uh, 100,000 people on this little farm for about, uh, you know, for four days or so. And um, you're just kind of trapped there once you get there. But what it is, it's a giant music uh, festival. And they have, uh, you know, eight bands. I mean, if I had to name one of the biggest ones I saw there, Paul McCartney played, I guess, two years ago. And oh, wow. I watched that guy play a three-hour set with zero breaks. I mean, he just went all the way through. Uh I've never seen a musician work so hard in my life. Oh, wow. But anyway, you've got 100,000 people trapped there that just love music to death. And so when we set up the cigar box booth there, um, it was just, it just instantly worked. You know, we, <laughs> we have all those people there that, you know, love music and play music more than likely or, you know, love listening to music. And the booth, you know, gives them the opportunity to be at a music festival and play music as well as listen to music and then find out that they can actually build music as well. Mm. You know, so it's a it's a great way to get the word out there, you know. So and this will be our, our sixth year and we've added on uh, one, two, three four five six fest uh so far all of these fest you know were uh fifty thousand people plus but the one we're doing in uh may is called Sunfest, and it's two hundred and seventy five thousand people oh my god and so uh 
we're really looking forward to that one. The only problem is it's just a little bit north of Miami, so I imagine yeah. it's going to be pretty hot down there. Wow. You know? so, but anyway, I play out in front of these tents, you know, and so that's how I – that's my gigs, and I set out a little tip jar, and if you do the metrics on it, you know, 100,000 people, dollar here, dollar there um, – it adds up. It adds up into a, an almost paying gig. And basically what I'll do is I'll turn around and use that tip money to feed all my employees on carny food. And, uh, you know, and then we just sell guitars, you know, the whole time. You, you're so hot and tired, you don't drink beer, you know, after the first day. So uh, it's the one time a year I'll drink water. So. Oh, absolutely. But, absolutely. Uh, Th- those numbers to, to us, it, like here in Australia, are just... Just absolutely um, mind-numbing, like really, because I mean, you know, we, we, we're sitting back, we're sitting back here in a population of, you know, twenty, I think, twenty-seven million people, which is spread out over, you know, spread out over a, a, you know, a country which is almost the size of the United States, and you guys, I think, are popping what three hundred and forty million people, and it's just, it's just. Right, uh-huh. unbelievable. I, I, there's another podcast that I listen to, um, the Luthierist podcast, and um, there's an Australian builder out uh-huh. here, uh, Perry Ormsby, who was chatting to um, to the host of the show, and he was saying that you know there's two million people living in the state of Western Australia, which is almost half the size of the United States. <laughs> It's just, yeah, because most of our population is located oh, here on the eastern seaboard, you know, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's just astronomical, those numbers. Like, the idea of having a festival here, I'm just thinking the last big festival I did was the, uh, up here in the Blue Mountains, was the Katoomba Blues and Roots Festival. And, um, and that had, that had a really, that, that was packed, it was absolutely crowded as, but we were talking maybe, maybe at the most, maybe 10,000 people. <laughs> You know? So when you're yeah, talking, well, ten thousand people is a lot of people when you're all in one place. It is a lot, but you're kind of going in, going out, and that's probably that's probably through the day. And that was busy. That was very busy. Like when I had my stall there, that was that was flat out. I mean, I, I got a chance to run off and get a hamburger or something like that. And as you're saying, you know, get a couple of bottles of water or something, and that was it. And that was just me. So I, I I just went along just by myself. But so, how many people do you have helping you at your stall? You know, it, it just depends. Uh, uh, this year, I think we're taking the most ever. We're going to take uh, four other employees with us and uh, just to kind of just relieve some people. And some of us want to go see shows like uh, mm. this year. Headliners are U2, Chance the Rapper, uh, I think uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know. So there are a couple of those that I want to go over and see for about 10, 15 minutes. Usually I don't I don't want to stay for a whole concert. Yeah. Um, but I just want to get a quick you know look at the bands and see how they play live and everything um but the thing with bonnaroo is it's 24 hours um technically you can keep your tent open 24 hours but they have a mandatory uh opening time of you've got to be there at uh 10 o'clock in the morning yeah and you have to keep your shop open till uh 2 a.m oh wow it's an hour walk back and forth to the campground so you don't have much sleep at these things so hopefully Sleep so, in the tent. With uh, with the added help, hopefully we'll we'll catch some breaks this year. Yeah. Oh so, wow. But it's fun. I mean, I love being completely swamped and busy, and you know, a hundred people outside the tent waiting to get in to just try an instrument. You know? Yeah. It's uh, I love that kind of uh, that energy. I guess mm. so. I'm really I'm really curious about now because you were talking before we, we were chatting about, and it was. I remember seeing on Facebook, um, you know, the post that you did a little while ago regarding the shop and the store that you had. I'm very interested, very curious about uh, about the store, about the shop. And I remember seeing videos on um, on YouTube where uh, early videos, I think probably from about maybe four four years ago, possibly, where you were demonstrate you're demonstrating guitars. And was that in the shop? Because you had the, um, the, the 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 mesh up around you, and it was in that in that area. Was that the shop? I'm just trying to remember the, the off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. And actually, somebody took over the old shop. Uh, so the shop is still running. Uh, my biggest problem there was uh, 
basically I couldn't build after after so many years that place got more and more popular it was an old abandoned factory yeah and uh as the years went by uh the tolerance for my dremels and you know all my saws became less and less and so to the point where they just they wouldn't let me build there anymore and that was it was never my idea to turn it into a retail shop i, yeah. I didn't want to sell parts i don't want to sell stuff like that mm. uh i really just wanted to to have a place to build guitars outside of my house yeah and uh it just kind of organically turned into mm. a, a guitar selling shop but the main thing i did was uh teach lessons teach building lessons oh, okay. i probably taught you know 300 people or so how to build in that shop yeah. and it was always my goal just to uh to get music out there i, I went to school for music and kind of went the uh i wouldn't say i was a monk or anything but uh music to me uh you kind of have to give it away you know or you have to pass on what you've learned or you're doing yourself and others a, a great disservice mm. you know so yeah. Um, it's it's all about getting people to make their own music, yeah. you know. So, so and if they need to buy the kit from us to do it, so be it, you know. But well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it was never a part store. So. No, it's nice to make a buck, you know. At the end of the day, it keeps the doors open, doesn't it? But it's a, it's just a wonderful thing to think that you know. Oh, yeah. That so the the store now is is a, is a fairly standard music store now. Yeah, yeah, it's very stripped down uh, from what it was, yeah. but it's okay. At least it's still there. Was it in a business? Was it in a business strip? Was the shop in a business strip, or kind of more closer to an industrial estate? Well, you know, it was an industrial building. It was an old uh, textile mill. Yeah. Uh, I think it was three hundred thousand square feet of building that they they basically just bordered off into about a hundred studios or so yeah. for artists. Uh, the guy. Uh, who founded it all, Jim Hudson, was a local philanthropist. And uh, his uh, his late wife loved the art so much that he bought this building and, you know, completely made it for her, you know, more or less, and to help support the local artist here in town. And so uh, for a couple of years, yeah, it was, it was really great down there, uh, for us anyway. It's still a really great location. I don't want to badmouth them or anything like that. No, no. Just truthfully, the... The amount of guitars, you know, that we've made, um, I'm sure it. I'm sure it got uh, irritating. I mean, we put out at least two thousand guitars out of there that I know of. So um, that's a lot of sawdust. That's huge. You know, I got the sawdust under control, but I could never keep it from being noisy. In how so, many years? In how, in how many years were you were, were you building? Uh, I was there for five years, five and a half years. Oh, so there, yeah. and then I was building about a year and a half before that. So, so that's about. What's that it was about? funny when you said I've been in this for a long time. I've been in it for like seven, maybe eight years. And you know, when you look back at how much it's grown, mm. um, I guess you could say it's been a long time in the the timeline of things. Mm. Because back when I got into it, uh, really, it was like John Lowe, Shane Spiel, uh, Ted, Ted Crocker. Uh, Giddy wasn't even selling guitars at that point. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I don't. I, I don't mean to leave anybody's name out, but I'm telling no, you, it was it was a lot smaller uh, back then. Well, I agree. I mean, but I, I've been glad. You're right. to see it grow. I know it's had some growing pains, but but to me, yeah, the music getting out there—that's mm. that's the most important part of it. So. Well, I'm just thinking, if I go back, I, I built I built my first uh, biscuit tin. Well, you'd say cookie tin guitar mm -hmm. in March of 2014, um, and by August of 2015, I decided to to become a business, a re like a registered business, um, and have been since. I think in that two, what was it two, fourteen, fifteen? So it's three years, just over three years now. In that just time period of just over three years, it's even from my point of view, coming into it, I won't say halfway through, but coming into it a little a bit later, uh, it, it's phenomenal to see the the explosion that's coming out, and also the um, the amount of of differences, how unique all of these, so many of these these builders actually are. Like you know. 
when you think of there's only so many boxes, although there's thousands, probably thousands of boxes, but there's only, you know, it's a, who said it once? It's a stick in a box. I remember that. It's a stick in a yep. box. You know, I think that might have actually been... Um, that's, a, that's a Justin Timberlake song. It's... <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. No, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that that might have been. Oh gosh, um, I've just gone blank. Um, CB Giddy works for CB Giddy. Glenn, Glenn, that might actually be that. That's a Glennism. Oh, Glenn, yeah. That's a Glennism. Yeah, I think that's a stick in a box. I remember it. I'm sure it was him that said it. I'm sure I remember him saying it. But the thing that gets me, and the thing that just enamors me to these, I hope that's the right word, to these instruments, is that. They're also, they're also re- very, very different. Having said that, it's a caveat. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who, who, who kind of build similar types of instruments. And, you know, as they come forward, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a generic type of a look, I suppose. But there are people out there who... Uh, AJ Gaither, for example, when they did that other one for him with the different bridge, had the, the, the timber bridge at CB Giddy locked into the back um i think of you know people like um like mark uh, over here in australia from uh from mrws who builds the most beautiful laminated necks on his cigar box guitars and you know and there's all of these people who just you know that they, they you look at it and you go oh i know who's i know who's that is they have a particular look and it, that's one of the things I love about about these instruments is, is that they all, you know, they have some of them, many really, just take on a life of their own. It's like electric guitars and acoustic guitars. They might be a guitar of sorts, but every now and again you look like you know a Strat's a Strat. You know what I mean? You know a Les Paul is a Les Paul. You know a, you know a. Not that I'm necessarily comparing. Well, why not? Let's compare them. You know, it's when you look at someone's instrument, you go. I know who builds that. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a remar- right. yeah, it's a remarkable thing. Um, you know, it's and the, probably the biggest thing that I enjoy and, and I love the most, and I, I get this really silly grin all over my face when it happens, is when you convert a six-string player to becoming a three-string player. Um, and that's you know that for me happened that for me happened again yesterday. You know, there's a there's a, a, a fantastic guitar player here in Western Sydney. Uh, who I've started doing a, a, a particular guitar for, um, and he met, came over yesterday to pick it up. And as soon as he plugged it in, as soon as he picked it up, and he was playing straight away. Cause it's a fretted guitar. He was playing it straight away, and the, just the look on his face—he was just—he was just hooked. He was just absolutely hooked, and he, he kept apologising. We were having a big conversation, and he kept apologising all the time because all the time we were talking, he was playing. And I, I think that's that's one of the great joys that I that I personally that I get out of out of building them. It's not just selling them, you know. Which is, I mean, I love. I, I've, yeah. I've always been a born. Although I'm a teacher now, I'm, I've always been a born salesman. I spent 20 years in retail sales, so um, you know, it's uh. it's one of those things. You know, you close the sale, and it's always you get that little adrenaline rush when the sale closes. You know, and but the best thing about it is seeing that smile on the face, and you just go, you go, I know, I know that guy's coming back. I know that girl's coming back. Look at the smile on that face. You know, what's right with right. that in mind? What's what's and what's the great thrill that you get from building? Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say that that touches nearly on my own, you know, with these festivals and you know these thousands of people, these tens of thousands of people that we see at each one of these festivals. There's nothing like handing off the guitar to somebody or the cigar box guitar, and uh, you know, explaining to them, you know, if I sometimes I can tell if a person walks up and he has the kind of grunge clothes on, I can immediately go, okay, look, it's drop D, basically, except it's in G. And then all of a sudden, they start kicking out the Rage Against the Machine in Nirvana. <laughs> I kind of look at the people before I hand the guitar off, and then I'll give them, um, you know, like an example of something they might be used to, since they've never, you know, played one before. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other thing that I really liked about Cigar Box Guitars is it, it pulled me back out of... Uh, performance retirement mm. uh, i played in bands i guess in punk bands I, I come from uh punk roots really i come from a, a 
a music city, but uh, I fell in with the punk crowd, I guess. In yeah. Fact, uh, I, I dropped off to my first paying gig when I was uh, 15 by my mom, and I had to drop me off down the street so none of my punk friends would see that my mom brought me to the gig, you know. <laughs> but um, after uh, after so many years of doing music, I just kind of fell out of it, you know. It's, a, it's very much a struggle, and, you know, you hit this weird part in your 20s where you go you know i should probably become an adult at some point yeah and uh you know go get a real job or something you know i went to school for music which i would probably deter anybody from doing that if you really love music go into business and get a music minor because uh, can't really say music helps you out that much uh as far as later in life if you already love it you're gonna find a way to do it if you already love it but uh, after i built my first one um i thought it was kind of neat and then i found out that I still couldn't play slide guitar, just never have been able to. And so then I fretted one. And then after that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really, really neat, you know? And then after that, I watched uh, John Lowe perform. I had already seen Cigar Box guitars, you know, several times at that point, but I had never seen a, a performance like John Lowe's mm. where all of a sudden this deep, rich bass was coming out of it too, mm. you know? and uh, to me, the instruments have always been kind of tinny. You've got to, you know, add the full band uh, to give it the full big sound, or you you kind of shoot for that uh, that old timey singing in the can yeah. kind of sound. Yeah. You know? But uh, once figured out those single string pickups, I was like, I can do this. I can do this live. I can I can make big big sound live. And then uh, started playing drums with my feet. I was a um, I was on drumline from sixth grade uh, all the way to my senior year. And then um, I guess never really became a drummer, just a snare drummer. But the, the fact you had to march around on the field uh, gives you that ability to, to play the beat while you march. And so I just got some digital drums and programmed the right foot for the, uh, the bass drum and the left foot for the snare. And then I got a little cymbal I can kick every now and then. But that's it. I've got a, a bass guitar, um, a three-string guitar. Well, it's a one-string bass guitar and a three-string yeah. guitar. Yeah. And then my uh, my digital drums on my feet. So there's no more need for band practice and uh, with lots of people and just all the headaches that, mm. that came with that. You know, it was a lot of fun, too. But ultimately, I can't call up three people and go, hey, they just pulled me from you know, Colorado, and they want me to come out and play this show. Can you guys do it? You yeah. know, there's none of that. I just look over at my wife and be like, hey, can I leave this weekend for Colorado? And she's like, uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's just that simple now to go out and play. And with only one person's travel expenses, it's financially, I, I don't know, responsible yeah. for me to do it this way. You know? Absolutely. So I'll, uh, I'll take my uh, my wife's uncle. Yeah, uh, I call him Uncle Rody, uh, yeah. but he usually goes with me on all the uh, my little excursions, so we have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about the um, uh, the. I suppose there was there was a big jump up and down a few months ago about the. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, please. Is it was it uh, Louisiana? Was it a, a, a festival down there which was in danger of? of closing oh yeah 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 the new orleans Starbucks oh. festival basically all the sponsors were lined up like the previous year and uh everything was a go and uh all of a sudden i got a a message i, I want to say it was almost in the middle of the night and um it was ben and he was like uh sponsors just dropped us da na 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 uh i don't i don't know if it's going on any and in particular he asked me how i would feel about a Kickstarter because I've I've actually been pretty vocal on how I feel about bands that have the ability to record that still do the whole Kickstarter thing. Yeah, I just uh, I don't much care for it. You know, I think if you got the the will, it's going to get done. Yeah, I mean, why why should crowdsourcing, uh, you know, make you make music or not? Why does it come down to crowdfunding? Whether you'll put out your music or not, you know, it's just like seems ridiculous to me. But anyway, I'm going to go on a rant about it. But anyway, I told rants them, are good. I, I rants at, are good for rants are good for ratings, man. <laughs> well, I tell you, when I really looked at the the pros and cons of doing a Kickstarter for this thing, um, if you look at how it was done, it helped 
it helped like 17 musicians. It wasn't helping just one person. Mm. And to me, that's about as noble as you can uh, you can do on a, a funding thing like that. Yeah. And so while I was never officially a part of the Kickstarter, you know, and having it, you know, I don't know, just being a participant, mm. uh, I wanted to help Ben push it, you know, and I, I knew I might get some flack from all the other people I had cursed over the years. But uh, to me, it was a very noble cause. I mean, like 12, 12 acts were going to get paid because of it. Uh, yeah. um, the show was going to get to continue on to the next year, you know, and to me, it's just it doesn't get any more noble than that. Yeah. You know? So when there's a lot of people dying of cancer and need help and stuff like that mm. on Kickstarter, I really think we just dilute it down with, hey, help me make my next album, you know, so. Yeah, right. I don't know. I just, yeah, look, so. I, I respect that. I certainly respect that. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm of I'm of two minds. I mean, I, I've 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 thought about it myself. I know there's other there's there's guitar builders out there who've used Kickstarters to kind of uh, improve you know improve their shops to take a step up to the next level. Um, where it's when you think about it, it's it's very difficult. Uh, I'll give you a good, good example if 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 I can talk about it was um, uh, the guys over at oh I've just gone blank. Isn't that terrible? Um, Big Daddy? It's a Big Daddy? Uh, Daddy Mojo? Daddy, no, 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 not Daddy Mojo. Um, the guys over in the States there, now they they needed to get a CNC machine. They wanted to take their business to the next level. And um, they did a crowdfunding where, you know, they were offering, they build next. And I know Justin Johnson's um, done, done a bit of work with them and, and showed the shop and did a few things on his, on his, um, um, on his YouTube channel uh, years ago, it's, it's kind of you know how I how I got in contact with him, uh, found out about him and that, and um, and the guys wanted to improve the shop. They wanted to take the shop up to the next level, but probably it didn't have the funds to do it. You know, in the time period that they really wanted to do it, because I, I think it, when I think about myself and where I am, I'm currently, I, I currently personally, like I've got a shop underneath the house, you know, which is basically open to all of the elements. Which is, you know, when it rains, I can't work. When it, you know, I, I've got rudimentary tools, which I'm happy with, which has taken me, you know, nearly three years of of putting everything back in so anytime a, a guitar is sold the money doesn't very rarely does it come up into the house it's it's basically it's going straight back into the business it's for more tools right. it's for more you know it's that's basically the way the business it's a hobby business at the moment because it doesn't certainly doesn't fund the household you know i still work full time on top of doing this and right. like i've toyed with the idea of of seriously contemplating it is this would this be something you know i need to, I, I need to like i need to concrete the floor things like that and to, over here in australia i don't know about over in the states but the cost of labor and the cost of get materials and, and and getting things like that done is astronomical the idea of doing it down in the space i've got it's it's going to cost anywhere between five and seven thousand dollars and i literally i literally don't have that so from my point of view the idea of a of a, of a kickstarter it's not a it's like from from a business point of view it's it's not it's not a bad idea if it works if you've got enough backing if you've got i mean i you know i i reckon i reckon i'm still a couple of ways years away from doing something like that if i can't build it myself you know what i mean but well you know you touched on a, a certain word that uh that kind of made me think of something when you when you say you're a hobby builder um i think hobby builders don't well let me I'm trying to think of the right way to put this without being offensive. I think the second that you sell an instrument, you've become a professional. And I think there are certain responsibilities um, that you have to take on at that point, you know, like not selling a crappy instrument for oh, starts. Totally. You know, so um, I think anybody that considers themselves a hobby builder but yet sells them, I think you've, I think you've jumped up to the next level at that point. Yeah, you know, if you're giving them away, or you're selling them for just enough to keep, you know, just keep buying and building kind of thing. Yeah, you know, not trying to turn a profit. But I see a lot of these guys that have only been in it for a couple of months, and they'll just turn around and 
just start selling anything and everything on eBay. And honestly, it's it's why I left the whole uh, social media sales thing. Oh, okay, I just yeah. I can't I can't get tied up with a lot of those. Um, but uh, I think there's some really really great builders out there, mm. and I think. Um, I think there's a lot out there. Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff out there, and it's really hard to find. If you don't know anything about them, I think it's really hard to find the one. Yeah. I th- See, I think at, so, at the same time, it's it's. I think at the same time, it's it it is a question of time, and I think it's a question of responsibility. I think if it was, I'm 46 now. You know, I think I've got three three kids, three kids all all in school, and. You know, a mortgage and all that sort of all that sort of stuff. And the idea, from my point of view, is that professionally, like I'm a teacher professionally, a primary school teacher, and you know, a certain amount of my time per day is dedicated to to that, to planning, to you know, to lessons, to marking, to, and in that small amount of time that 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 I've got, um, I, that I've got to actually do it. It's to, to actually build guitars and actually focus on the business of being a cigar box guitar builder and a guitar builder. Um, it's a very small amount of time out of the day dedicated to it. And although it's the dream and the working dream, and I'll say working dream because it is something I'm working towards, of actually having uh, a business, a guitar building business, cigar box guitar building, you know, standard uh, solid body guitar building business down the line i think i have to i have to separate the idea of my the main job which is teaching which is bringing in the money which is feeding the kids which is you know and i think the reason i use the term hobby business is because if i start calling it my actual business the feeling this is just the feeling i get you know it's it's i'm not speaking for anybody else it, it hurts a bit because it's what I really want to do, but I've, it's going to take, like I may be 56 before, you know, it, it might take another 10 years of, of hard graft to build the business back up to a level where I can, you know, feed the family pay the bills, right, right. you know, that type of, so I think for when I say, and it, maybe I'm speaking for other people, I, but I'm not going to put words in other people's mouths, but when I talk about it and I say I'm a, it's a hobby business, I, I think it doesn't take away from the fact that it's something that I, that I absolutely love and something that when I'm putting a guitar out, you know, it takes me, like with the Lightning Boy guitars that I do, which are my top of the range guitars, like they take upwards of six to seven weeks to build. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's that small amount of time, but it's when I'm on that job, that is all encompassing. It's, it's, I'm away from the kids. I'm, I don't talk to anybody. It's, it's just that focus on make, have I got that drill hole right? Is that set in the right position? Is that, you know, it's that real, and I think for me it's therapy too. (laughs) You just coined a new category. I think hobby business will encompass a lot uh, versus hobby and business. You know, I think there, there could be such a thing as hobby business because there are the people that, you know, never that out to get, you know, a business or anything, but just found themselves. I mean, for example, uh, uh, I've never, Oh, we're break- you're breaking up, John. Sorry, John, you're breaking up, mate. Uh oh. Okay, let me uh, let me switch around the house a little bit. Yeah. Um, let me see. How's that? That's better. I'm gonna go stand by my router. <laughs> but uh, how's that now? Yeah, good, good, good. Okay, good, good, good. So when I started the business. Um, I never had it or started the studio. I never had intentions of making it a business. So uh, it was, they had just opened up the first floor, about 100,000 square feet of low mill to, to new artists. Uh, the low mill had already existed for a little while and it had a few artists there. But when they opened up that first floor, that's when it really started to take off. And so I was one of the, the first people to get in there um, on the ground floor and they did a newspaper uh, article about everything. And so uh, our shop was one of the featured uh, shops in there because uh, 
um, Huntsville's really like the cigar box capital of the world, and we can touch on that later. But what Dude. happened after the newspaper article, uh, I maybe had five guitars in the shop that I had built. Well, we took orders after that first weekend for 100-plus guitars, and I knew it was only a matter of time that, you know, I would have to show, you know, money coming in, money going out kind of thing. So I went ahead and got my federal tax ID and uh, all the little things that you have to do to to start a business. And Mm. uh, there were definitely, and on the Internet now, there's still really no good examples of how to start up a business without finding out the little incidentals later and having to pay a few late fees. Yeah. But after the first year, I figured it all out. And (laughs) by, you know, by having a business ID, you can buy it wholesale at that point. And so, uh, that, that makes everything a little bit easier if, and to stomach, you know, business. Now I can get parts cheaper. I can lower the cost of my guitar, you know, Mm. stuff like that. So I've never been about making the, uh, the five six hundred dollar guitars uh yeah I, I do if somebody wants it but uh my target range uh has always been around 150 you know at the most and uh really my dream is to get to make a 99 dollar guitar yeah. you know i don't know what that translates into into australian yeah. currency but uh, probably I, I about 130 kind of the, probably about 130 dollars australian if you're selling a 150 guitar That'll probably pull it up to about a hundred and about a hundred and eighty about a hundred and eighty dollars uh, Australian. So are these are these pickup guitars or are these yeah. P- piezo guitars? Yeah, I use uh, I use standard piezos. I've always been a fan of piezo. I, I can't convince people enough of if you stick a preamp in front of a piezo, it's the most beautiful pickup you've ever heard. You know, it just really captures the entire sound of the guitar. You know, whereas a magnetic. Uh, you can't convince me that there's any difference in tone wood. That stream is, you know, floating over a magnet. That's what you're hearing, you know. So if you really want to hear what the guitar sounds like, you put a piezo in it. You know, you know what? Yeah, because yeah, because the 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 piezo pickup it picks up the vibration of the timber, the strings, the the machine heads, the bridge. It does. It, it it picks up that vibration of all of the. So you're actually you you are properly hearing the wood, whereas. Right. Whereas a, a magnetic pickup, it's basically it's it's an electric guitar, and you know, and it's it, it is it's 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 that reaction between the body timber vibration, the vibration coming from the guitar strings, and then you know it's it it, it it's about vibration, but it's a different color, it's a different right. kind of idea. I must admit though that uh, I have to admit because I come from a heavy metal background. Uh, you know, like 80s thrash and, you know, and, and, oh, yeah. and, and classic, you know, classic metal and stuff like that. Uh, it's mm-hmm. for me, but when I plug in, you know, when I do plug in, or you know, like ACDC and things like that, because I always compare, mm-hmm. like, you know, when I plug in a Lightning Boy, which is, which uses hand wound uh, magnetic pickups, so I use the, the, mm-hmm. the ones that Mark Wilmot makes from um, Mortal Coil pickups. And, when you plug in with those and you just and it just crunch you get that crunch and you can yeah. drive your amp harder and so it is that rock and roll kind of i suppose i'm i'm more of the rock and roll side of things a little and the, and the metal side of things than i am like the bluegrass and the the folk kind of side of it but I, so yeah. for me the acoustic side of things is it's more it's getting, I suppose, that very Australian idea of what the Delta Blues is, or what the like, what the Mississippi Country Blues is. It's mm. it's our it's our interpretation of that because I, I think unless uh, unless you've lived it, unless you've uh, it's it's. I'm trying to remember a movie once, and someone was saying something like it's it's geographical or something like that. Like uh, I watched recently watched the the, uh, the there's a series. Um, a YouTube series that came out. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, there were two guys in the in the Mississippi region who uh, who went across country. It's a ten it's a ten ten series, a uh, ten episode series, and they went from like from town to town through the Mississippi, kind of following various um, uh, locales. You know, local locations that really stood out. And it really drove home that kind of sense of, you know, if you, I suppose from an Australian's point of view, if you want to, 
get a true feeling of it. I think we need to visit it or at least see it or at least try and experience it somehow. I mean, everyone gets the blues. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's, it is a, you know, there, there's a history in there that, 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 that America has, I think, with that, you know, with music and with the blues. And oh no. Well, it's a really neat, uh, in music history, they taught us, you know, blues and jazz kind of, they were kind of similar time frame wise, but what it did is, you know, it started down there in the Delta and like every 10 years it would move a little bit north. So it would go from like, and really to me, New Orleans mm. uh, is probably the true, the truest host of, you know, the blues and jazz. I mean, if you just consider the history we have uh, and some of the, the bad history we have with the slavery and mm. everything, um, everything was coming through those southern ports. And so and you got to think, you know, these songs uh, were coming really from hardship and oppression. Yeah. And uh, so from the south, it would move up like every 10 years. So it would mm. go on up to, to northern Mississippi or like to yeah. Memphis. And then from there, it spread east over to Mississippi mm. or uh, over to Georgia and then west out to Texas. Yeah. And you think of Stevie Ray Vaughan, he put his own little kind of Texasy blues on the uh, the thing he doesn't fit into the actual time frame of moving it but he was just an example so from yeah so from memphis you go st louis st louis has a, a their own kind of blues thing and then from st louis you go on up to chicago chicago has its own little blues thing so it's like a straight line up from the southern united states to the north and every 10 years these little regions like you were saying earlier kind of came up with their own little versions of mm. jazz and blues that mm. you know could really be categorized into their own you know their own blues thing so uh but that was just music history i mean we technically weren't there and i don't think we we wrote a lot of it down that's all just kind of how they teach it but uh yeah. music definitely didn't move that way i'm just not sure the the exact time frames and everything yeah so but it evolves music evolves and it is kind of neat to hear you come from the the heavy metal background uh that was me too, and in fact, uh, Shane Spiel asked me to play Slayer while I was on stage at the uh, New Orleans Cigar Box Festival, and I sure enough did. You know. <laughs> oh, I love that just guy. A quick, just a quick little <laughs> snippet, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, well, I've played... yeah, to me, the, the, the Cigar Box guitars were getting very pigeonholed mm. in the blues, and, and so when I got on the scene, that was it. There was the blues, and then there was Johnny Lobo, yeah. you know, so yeah. um, I, I kind of... I guess sided with uh, John Lowe as far as you know pushing mm. these things to the limits and seeing what you could truly get out of them. Yeah. So, well, I've, I've got there's um, two gentlemen down here uh, in in Western Sydney who are both really like quite well well respected guitar players in their own right down in this kind of area here, not worldwide, but you know, uh, you know, it's um, and these two guys, I. I you know, building guitars for them, and they're swi- they're, they've switched over from you know six string. To, to bringing these, you know, bringing three-string guitars into their set. And, you know, it's... Uh, and these guys play predominantly, like, one one of the guys is in a band called Lizard and uh, Matt Charnley, and it's kind of like if the music that he plays and his band play, it's kind of like a cross between if, if the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, had a baby with Jimi Hendrix. You know what oh, I mean? Nice. Like, it's, it's really quite psychedelic, hard rock, kind of. There's a lot of funk involved in it. Uh, and then there's... Um, Rob Chappell, who just yesterday picked up a, a guitar from me, which is pure heavy metal. Like, it's pure heavy metal. You know, it's got a real screaming humbucker in it, steel bridge, uh, fully fretted, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's, you know, I, I use one of the yellow, um, uh, oh, what are they, the, um, I got Macanudo, that, that that name, but it's not. It's the um, it's the boxes I use for Lightning Boys, but it's got the yellow and it's got the red crisscross on the top of it. I can't remember. Oh my god, isn't that terrible? It's not the Monte Cristo, is it? Monte Cristo. Thank you. Okay. The yellow, the big Monte Cristo, the big yellow Monte Cristo box, you know. And it, it looks like if if eighties, you know, if eighties Jackson or eighties Charvel, you know, oh built a cigar god. box guitar, you know. And I did a video on it just recently, and it's just it's just pure metal. And the fact that you can you can write a song, one minute in in pure heavy metal, and then turn around, to take off, to, you know, turn the volume down, and then just do some crunchy blues, and then take it down even further, 
you know, mess with the tone, turn the tone down, and you bring in this real earthy kind of, you know, you, you take that saturation off the off the um, off the distortion. You know, you take it down, put a little bit of reverb in, uh, and all of a sudden you're playing your own version of, you know, of of, of um, God blues and you know and and whether it's delta blues or whatever it is you know you could be playing chuck berry you could be playing robert johnson you could be playing you know elmore james or god you know you can just they're so versatile and i think that's the thing i do like about that's the thing i do like about a a a, 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 a magnetic pickup you know in that and maybe it's because i haven't had success so much success with piezo pickups where i i I want to take them up into that next level of distortion, and they do, they just don't they just don't get there. You know what I mean? Well, that's, <laughs> uh, that's funny you say that because uh, you know Rob just made me a guitar, Rob Robel. Yes. And uh, I've had a lot of people offer to to build me a guitar, and I've just had to to honestly tell them, look, guys, I'm, unless you unless you stick that magnet, that single mag in it, I, I, I promise you, I'm just not going to play it. So mm. I can't accept it, you know, and. Uh, I, I don't want a bunch of people's guitars around and I never play them, you know. Yeah. So I've been real picky, I guess, in that regard. So when Rob offered to build me one, I, I kind of gave him the same thing. I was like, look, I'm going to need a that single string mag in there. And he's like, cool. And so I was like, all right. So he texted me, I guess, a couple days later. And he was like, uh, what kind of pickups you want in it? And I was like, oh, I want a piezo. You know, he's like, really? You want a piezo? I was like, yeah, man, I'm telling you. Um, when I play guitar uh, and do my recording... I can, I can always make a piezo pickup uh, into a heavy metal distortion type guitar, but I can never take a magnetic pickup and let it have those acoustic qualities. Mm. You know, when I plug in, and uh, but there was there's one other thing about magnetic pickups that is kind of lost on us. Uh, back in the 70s, they used to do it. At least my friend Bob told me this. He said uh, back in the late 60s and 70s, they used to take the magnetic pickups, and you know how they just dip them in wax yep, yep. You know, all day long. Now, if you don't dip them in wax, they're microphonic, so you will pick up the the sound of the box and the tone wood and everything. And he said it was real popular yep. uh, back then, but everybody just kind of – but it offers all the same feedback problems, you know, that yep. uh, acoustic piezo pickups can yep. give you yep. Uh, yep. if you don't get them sorted out. Yep. Um I've come up with a way, and probably no different than anybody else's, but uh, uh, the way I do my piezo pickups, I just don't have a, a problem with feedback. But uh, I gave up on electric guitars 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, back when I was playing in a band, they just kept failing me. The electric guitars would just fall apart, you know, mm. or break electrically or something. And so I switched over to acoustic guitars, and I still played punk music and ska and reggae and all that stuff with uh with acoustic guitars and yep. just learned how to to manipulate them to where they would uh they'd work for me and so piezos to me they just they never break the only problem is you got to put a nine volt battery in the preamp you know and if uh, you get yeah. that then it, it gets kind of a hassle so absolutely but so i love piezos i mean just because you can drum on the guitar there's just so many uh, there's so many things you can do with a piezo and i think and I've, I've told people for years, and I don't think it really caught on until uh, I convinced Shane Spiel, because Shane Spiel's got that reach, you know. I just yeah. don't have the reach uh, <laughs> that that guy does. And finally, he came out on one of his uh, CB Giddy Lives, and um, I think it was after the Pennsylvania Cigar Box Festival. Yeah. And he said if he was giving out trophies, I won the sound award or whatever. But uh, it, he was finally convinced that preamps... Yeah, they're just they're vital they're yeah. absolutely vital because basically you can electrify a turd yeah. you know and it's gonna if you turn it up it's just gonna sound like a louder turd so what you gotta do is you've gotta you've gotta make that turd shine before you turn it up basically yeah. so that's the that's the trick and that's probably a terrible analogy but that's, well, that's the best one I can think of well, the there moment, is a so. I think there is a halfway there is a halfway uh, that you can go to, and I like what your friend was saying about '70s guitars, because at the moment I've I've been playing around with ridiculously cheap um, eBay pickups, mm -hmm. some that I found on eBay, like like we're talking insanely cheap, like seven dollars, yeah, like seven dollars a pop, yeah, 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 you know, 
And and who's to say those aren't better than or those are any worse than anybody else? I get some of the most I mean? amazing. You're talking tones. about coils wrapped around <laughs> or wire wrapped around magnets. I mean, That's how, it. How much different can everything? But be? as you were saying, uh, quite a lot of them aren't wax dipped. And there's one that I did, which was one of the acoustic. It's basically like a little gold foil. If you find them, you know, they're like a little gold foil pick up and you, and you, and you stick them onto your acoustic guitar. You stick them on the sound hole. And I remember, I remember Shane did a video a few years ago where he, he used his, um, his, uh, his sander, his, his sander to, to sand off the, um, the studs that hold the, the, the clips in place. And he basically just bolted it through the, through the, um, the little side lugs onto the top of the oh, guitar yeah. body. I saw that one. And I did that just recently. And oh my God, the sound I got out of that little pickup. I bought it, I bought it actually, funnily enough, I bought it from, um, from Aldi, which is a, like a, a supermarket chain. Um, yeah, we got one. You got Aldi over there. Oh, yeah, crap. it's like discount yeah. supermarket chain. I think they're a German company. And but... it, it, that's the pickup with the cord still attached. Yes. To it, right? Or built into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's great. Oh my god, it was amazing! And I bought, I bought what when I went there, there were about ten or fifteen of these pickups sitting there. And I thought, oh look, I'll try one, and if I like it, I'll come back. Well, of course, I tried it, stuck it in, played it. It was just filthy. And oh my god, it was awesome. It was just so lo-fi because I'm really into, like, I'm really, really into um, Tesco guitars. I've been collecting them and and doing them up and reselling them and flipping them and you know and doing that, as well as doing the cigar box guitars, of course. And I love them. I absolutely love the lo-fi factor of them, of them, and just the just the, the kitschiness of them. I, I absolutely adore that, you know. And these pickups, they sound kind of, they kind of have that that very lo-fi kind of sound. But if you tap on the box, it mm. comes through. You can actually hear that, you know. And yeah, so it's not potted. Then. No, <laughs> it's so that's not great. Potted. Yeah, it's, so. That's one, one instance where uh, the magnets, you know, they can they can be useful for the people that definitely do the are more rhythmic players, I guess. You mm. know? So for lead guitar, I guess you'd probably want to get them dipped pretty good. And like the uh, the single stream mag that I used, I probably over dip it just because I can't let that one string or that that pickup be affected by any other strings other than that one it's directly under. Yes. So with octavers. Um, they need a single frequency coming through, mm. or they'll start wobbling all over the place. And yep. It just doesn't—it doesn't sound very good. So you really have to to dial in that signal. But yeah, I guess if I found some uh, mm. unpotted mags, I would I would use those. You know, without a. There's some great. Yeah, well, CB, I, you know? I know over in the states. I know over in, over in the states. I know CB Giddy. It's um, he's got. Doesn't he still do those little the little timber three pole pickups? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he got a CNC machine too, so he's like, he's finding out all the the cool stuff. That, he's laser cutting you know, them and doing all that sort really, of stuff too. Yeah, is a really neat thing for cigar box guitars. You yeah, know? Uh, just because it it's gonna allow another side of it to to evolve. I think so. Yeah, um, I'm. It's just it's really great to watch. I'm I'm in all the groups. I don't get the notifications anymore because some would just send me on some rant you know yeah. so I, I had to get away from that so i'm generally a happy person but when yeah. i just see ignorance posted I, sometimes yeah. i can't help myself uh, look my wife is gonna get my, in there yeah. well i i want to i want to shut down the spread of misinformation yeah basically because i i definitely have been doing this long enough to to help people not make bad in fact I've made a lot of mistakes, and I can help people by telling them all the mistakes I've made, you know, and what I learned from them, you know. But yeah. um, other than that, now I just figured out that I got to let them be. I got to let them, you know, kind of evolve on their own. I can't go in and try to to right the world, you know. That's that's not why I'm here. You know, I, at the festivals, that's when I guess that's my, my shining stage, you know, if I want to be a part of the cigar box movement. All right. So we're kind of coming up to the end. So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to throw this at you because I haven't prepped. I haven't prepped you with this. This might be my new thing. I don't know. Asking my what, ask, a trick ask, question at the end. I'm going to get, give you a triple shot. Three, three tips for builders. John's three tips. Oh man, I don't think I didn't plan those out. Okay, let's see. Three tips. Uh, preamps. 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 That's only one answer, though. Yeah. But uh, preamps on pizzas. You can put preamps on uh, uh, 
magnetic pickups too, but basically preamps, preamps, preamps on anything um, guitar just because you can shape your signal uh, before it gets to the amp. You can put in, it sets it all to the right line levels. Uh, you'll be doing everybody's ears a lot of, lot of favors there. I'm going to uh, ask you, you I'm going to ask you, disc or rod? What's that? Disc, piezo, or rod, piezo? Uh, currently, I'm, I'm using, and Rob's guitar, he used a rod. This is the first rod I've used in probably 20 years. It's the CB Giddy uh, preamp and uh, piezo rod. Yep. And it's great. I used, I guess I built one of those a long time ago, and I played it, but I didn't play it as my yep. guitar. So do you, uh, do you build I'm, the piezo? I'm a disc fan. Uh, I put the yep. disc in my guitars, and I put a, I put a screw right at the bridge point to connect yep. the neck to the box. Yep. And then I cut that screw off right where I'm going to put the piezo. And so the piezo uh, is actually connected to the bridge via a screw, you know, that's sitting right under it. And so that screw, I guess, rattles down to the piezo below it. And uh, I use super glue. I guess my second, my second um, thing of advice here would be uh, don't bury your pizzos in hot glue just don't do it i've done multiple tests on yeah uh, oscilloscopes and everything and uh it's buried somewhere in the guitar i'll try to look it up and repost it but i always kind of seem like a that'd be great yeah I, I, whenever i post advice you know and yeah usually i'll lose friends and stuff like that <laughs> but uh I, I really do want to help but i don't i don't know the right way to help but uh don't bury your uh, your pizzos in hot glue. It oh, just, it, so it that's tip number two. Potential. That's tip number What's two. That? Then that's tip number yeah, two. That's tip two. Tip two. All right. Tip three. Tip three. Don't give up. Good on you. Just keep going. Just keep doing that's it. That's it. So, that's it. so there's there's a couple of people I've been talking to through Messenger and stuff like that who have started out and they they've you know. Um, they're getting, you know, they're, they're, it's just, it's not quite, it's not quite working. And and the guitars they're building actually look good. And there's a lot of effort going into them. And, you know, so I, I, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you said that. Don't give up. It's, I'll, I'll, I'll double well, and that. And what I mean by that is if you spend a lot of time on social media, you can get, you can get kind of bummed out mm. seeing that uh, other people that, really have brought nothing to the table can instantly just gain success and then all of a sudden have a voice and then start spreading all kind of misinformation and all that kind of stuff and there's no way to to stop that but uh on a builder side you can build guitars and then just kind of get disenchanted with it when you see you know all these other guys you know just having tons of success with it um but the thing is, is that your guitars are going to get better each and every one you do. It's only, it's only going to get better. It, it can't get worse. Now you're going to have a few fumbles along the way, but you can't really, you can't really count those um, as anything more than a learning experience. So, I know I personally have struggled, especially after uh, I gave up the store, whether I wanted to keep doing this or yeah. not. I mean, it. To me, though, uh, with the whole musical background I've got. I mean, it, it's my job as kind of a Johnny Appleseed, more or less, to, to get these things out there. And now that I've found an outlet outside of social media, um, by going to these huge festivals, like I'm going to be around probably 750,000 people yes. within a span of three months. Um, so that's my, that's my new outlet. And I set up a little stage out in front uh, of the of the tent, you know, and I play, you know, for days on end. And, uh, we talked to, honestly, like Bonnaroo, we'll probably talk to at least 10,000 of the people out of the, the hundred thousand that are there. And believe me, that keeps you busy all day long. <laughs> so, um, but I would say festivals are a great outlet and you've got local, local festivals all over the world. Um, and then one other outlet that I recommend to people is uh, local libraries are now, you know, they're kind of in decline because nobody's going to read books anymore or anything. So local libraries here in the United States have been offering things like uh, you can go rent garden shears or you can go uh, check out a guitar and a guitar book. Um, so uh, maybe look in your local library and think about, you know, if you've got a room full of cigar box guitars, Think about taking one down to the library with a, uh, 
you know, a little chord chart and something like that and see if they'd be interested in, you know, I guess renting that out to people or leasing it out. That's an interesting idea. Never thought about that. What libraries do. Fantastic. But the main thing is teach people. If if you've got a skill and it's something like music and as noble as music, uh, don't keep it all yourself. Pass it on. You know, show somebody else that they can do it too. Uh, America, right now, we're uh, we're having a fun time with our our new president, and he's already talked about cutting music and arts. But uh, to me, anytime you threaten arts and music, it only gets better. You get some of the best art and music out of the most depressed times that there are. So, That's it. Um, but yeah, just don't give up. That's I guess the key to really everything in life. So. That's awesome. John, thank you so much, mate. It's It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I really hope to be in touch with you again soon. Um, it's it's just it's so great to, to, to be able to have a talk with you and just hear more. I just I know that there's just we I think we've only just touched uh, just touched upon you know a, a lot of the topics. So um, hopefully you you'll be open to having another chat another time. Oh, absolutely. I'll I'll probably talk to you just friend to friend before then but I've told Absolutely, the girls we're already planning to go to Australia one day so. oh mate one day um, just got to get that visa all organised mate right well hey Adam I really appreciate it man it's good talking to you all the best mate thank you so much and um, well this is Adam from the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast um, with John Nickel and uh, again huge thanks mate um, I'm a big fan and uh, it's, oh, it's been a real pleasure uh, having a chat to you mate so Thanks very much, and thanks from Adam at um, the Cigarbox Guitar Builder podcast. Just remembering, everybody, uh, we have got uh, the new patron um, thing happening up on your uh, uh, the old patronage happening there. If you, we are looking at trying to improve our microphones and maybe move into things like t-shirts and 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 other um, other malarkey, other things that that we can send you and give you and all that sort of fun stuff. But uh, any kind of support is always welcome, whether it's you know uh, one dollar or a thousand dollars. Remember, no amount is too big. Nah. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again. All the best, and um, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Sounds great, man. Take care, mate. Bye. Well, once again, uh, a really big thank you to John Nickel for spending the time with us uh, today. Crikey, it was about a, just over an hour uh, for an interview, and I, I think we could have just kept going and kept going. So we'll definitely need to um, get John back one day and um, and talk more about Scarlet's guitars and markets and, and all those other fun things. Now, just to finish up, um, we usually play the, uh, the outro song, um, Today we're going to play one of John's songs, which is PJ's, uh, from Unfiltered, his album. Go out, buy it, support him. He's a great musician and uh, a really good bloke. So see you later. See you next week. And here is PJ's. PJ's.